in a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the short list. A reminder that you don't have to have it as a remake or a reboot or reimagining for it to suck. Sometimes even original content sucks. And I'm here to give you exactly that on this little short episode. For those that haven't listened to one of our short list episodes just yet, this is an opportunity for me to stretch my, my creative muscle a little bit and do something original. You know, it could be based on something, but it ultimately it isn't a remake or reimagining of something. It's uh, kind of its own monster, as it were. And just a reminder for all of the, you know, loads of producers out there in Hollywood that are listening to this show, always down to write a script up of these ideas if uh, if you so care to uh, pursue anything with it. So this idea that I have is based on the legends surrounding Oak Island. If you're unfamiliar with Oak Island, it's a little island, I think it's around a hundred acre island that's off the coast of Nova Scotia, that is the source of many stories of buried treasure. The term itself, the money pit, is actually based on Oak Island. There's a hole (laughs) that was dug in the, uh, I believe, like the 1800s that started because there of all these stories about buried treasure from pirates or the Freemasons or I think even Queen Elizabeth. There's there's a lot of different theories as to where the buried treasure came from. And there's been a surprising amount of evidence that there's something that happened or was buried on this island. There's even a series on History Channel or Discovery called The Curse of Oak Island that discusses all the previous people that have tried to find the treasure on this island and also this uh, these two brothers that have bought up a vast majority of the island and are using it for a tourism, but also to search out this treasure. And I found it so interesting that this is a ongoing legend that continues to gain more and more quote unquote evidence over the years. And it's mainly based because there is something to it. There's, it's a very interesting story. Go ahead and read up on it. Watch some episodes of the curse of Oak Island. It's definitely done like a reality series kind of vibe. I would personally prefer to check out like YouTube video documentaries and, uh, and articles written about the actual backstory on this Island. So I found it very intriguing that this is like truly a, a modern day, still buried treasure story that uh, incorporates a lot of different elements that are used in adventure movies. And I figured, you know, how much fun would it be to make a comedy with that as the backdrop? So the name of this story that uh, I came up with is called The Whole Truth, as in H-O-L-E. And there are definitely two different ways to approach this story, and I'll get to kind of the, the split between exactly which direction you take it. It's the same exact story, but there's one little change that can make it an entirely different animal. So here we go. Basically, there one of the legends surrounding Oak Island is that the pirate William Kidd, Captain Kidd, is thought to have been the originator of the buried treasure myth that he was a pirate. Uh, he's the only pirate in 
legend that that did actually bury treasure. That's where the kind of trope of buried treasure from pirates comes from is Captain Kidd. And it's thought that he may have buried something on Oak Island, though the accounts are very loose at best. And a lot of that story comes from allegedly one of his former crew members who was dying uh, in New England and retold the story of them burying treasure on Oak Island. And uh, of course, that story got spread and moved around and who knows how much of that is true or untrue, but that is one of the major uh, theories when it comes to Oak Island. So that's where we're going to get our start. It's buried pirate treasure in uh, the Nova Scotia area of Canada, just uh, at the border near Maine. So I figured like most uh, buried treasure stories, you have to have a map or something like that, getting people to head in the right direction. And that's where our story starts. We've got the Salamander family. And Brock Salamander is a New Englander. He's a fisherman. He's got his own fishing uh, trawler that he does okay. He's a, he's a hardworking guy. He's never really gotten his, his life completely together. He's, you know, in his, in his 40s, he still hasn't been married. He kind of works really hard, and he's a good worker, but, like, just has a bad attitude problem. He, he's got some stuff that he's never really sussed out, and he's kind of a loner. And uh, he lives with his dad, or more so that his dad lives with him. Uh, his dad's been sick for years, and Brock has been nice enough to take care of his dad over the years. As, uh, as his health kind of became worse and worse. And then finally, his father dies. And Brock's estranged younger brother, Eli, comes into town for the funeral. And there's a lot of uh, animosity between them. Eli is a silver medal winning swimmer, Olympic swimmer, and has had all sorts of accolade and, you know, is handsome and athletic and successful, and he also is a spokesperson for various lotions and foot creams, and never seemed to have really had to work nearly as hard to get as far as he did, whereas Brock has been working his ass off all his life and just never seems to get anywhere. Now, as far as the casting for these two characters, you wanted that charismatic, kind of muscle jock vibe that you could see as an Olympic swimmer, and then also the hardworking fisherman type character and I really love the interaction between these two actors from uh, This Is The End. So I thought for Brock Salamander, the fisherman brother, Danny McBride would be absolutely perfect. And if he can't pull off kind of a New England accent, we just move them a little further down the coast to at, at the lowest, maybe North Carolina, which I know that I believe Danny's from. And then we get uh, as his athletic younger brother, Channing Tatum to be his brother that comes into town. And I just love them, their dynamic, and this is the end. I've warmed up to Channing Tatum a little bit over the years. He's still got dead eyes like a shark, but I think it would be really fun to see his uh, interaction as the younger brother of Danny McBride. So they air out their grievances about their uh, relationship and that, you know, Eli knows that Brock is jealous of him and how far he's gotten in his life. And Brock is mad at Eli for how little he's involved himself uh, with their father in the later years as he got sick. He didn't come into town as much. He didn't help out as much. He sent money to help here and there, but money isn't a replacement for family. And so they hash it out. They end up getting in a in a uh, little bit of a fight, and Brock gets slammed against a wall that knocks off of of shelf a uh, ship in a bottle, and the ship in the bottle is a recreation of the ship, the Adventure Galley, which was 
Captain Kidd's ship uh, in the uh, late 1600s, early 1700s, around the end of his life, uh, around the time that there's also conversation about the treasure being buried and stuff in uh, Oak Island. So ship breaks, uh, Eli leaves to go stay in a hotel. Brock's picking up the pieces and he finds a scroll that was wrapped up and hidden inside the ship. And there's a series of uh, symbols, uh, several lines of symbols that look like nonsense. And then a a, uh, script that says in English over top of it, 40 feet below, 2 million pounds lie buried. For anybody that's familiar with Oak Island, there was a, a supposedly a stone that was found about, I think, 60 feet, something like that, down this hole that was dug that had strange symbols that ended up getting worked out to read 40 feet below, 2 million pounds buried. So that's written in English this time on the script with three lines of symbols underneath it. As uh, Brock is like getting all the ship parts together and everything, he, uh, he notices some symbols on the inside of the ship as well. And then uh, he proceeds to like Google the, the line, 40 feet below, 2 million pounds buried, and then comes up with Oak Island and all this information. And then he finds out about William Kidd and the Adventure Galley, which he had heard old stories about his great-great-great-great-grandfather, Samuel Salamander, who supposedly was a, uh, a pirate back in the day on, on the uh, Adventure Galley. And that's where the ship actually in the bottle came from, was from his great-great-great-great-grandfather. And so he starts to get excited that there's this you know buried treasure story that has to do with the pirates that his great, 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 great grandfather was from. And there's symbols that he's reading about on this stone tablet that look very similar to the symbols that he sees on this piece of paper. And he's getting very excited. There's buried treasure abounding somewhere. And he's got some information on it that nobody else has. So even though he's at odds with his brother at the time, this is a family thing. You know, this is from their great, 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 great grandfather. So he goes to the hotel, he confronts his brother. He said, you know, we have time for our stuff later, but look at this and shows him the information. And of course, Eli is skeptical at best. It's just some other harebrained thing that uh, Brock is trying to use to, to find some value in his life, to be important one way or another. So Brock lays it out on the table, tells him, you know, he wasn't there for their dad when his, their dad needed him. Uh, he wasn't there for him and his, as a brother growing up, but he needs him to be there for him now. So Eli kind of out of guilt agrees to go with him and uh, Brock does have his own fishing troller. So they get on the fishing troller and honestly, New England is only four or five hours away from Nova Scotia. So they pack some bags and they head up the coast. So they get to the Island and they take a little boat in from the troller and start kind of snooping around and they're seeing symbols on the Island that uh, maybe wouldn't be noticed before that are notated on the slip of paper they're taking notes and they're taking pictures on their phone. Just kind of a cursory glance of this, you know, not so huge island, but it's still a deep, you know, it's a decent amount of walking. When enter the Laguna brothers. Uh, now there are actually brothers that own a good portion of Oak Island and they're on a show called the Curse of Oak Island. This, that's the mysteries of Oak Island is the reality show that the Laguna brothers uh, are a part of. And, I couldn't think of a better pair of comedic actors to play these brothers that are like kind of professional treasure hunters that uh, the whole thing of the money pit is wasting more money on it than your actual, than the actual value is worth spending millions of dollars trying to find this buried treasure that ultimately is going to be worth less than the cost that you spent to find it. And I thought two boneheads that could play brothers that would do that kind of thing are none other than Will Ferrell 
and John C. Riley playing Marty and Rick Laguna. Now, this is where there's a, a fork in the road on how you play this. You can either have them as the Laguna brothers, two separate characters entirely that are part of this story, and let them work their magic like they have in many buddy roles uh, from Talladega Nights to uh, Watson and Holmes to what the other option might be for this, is that if you just change the names of those characters to Brennan and Dale, Brennan Huff and Dale Doback, the characters from Step Brothers, then this turns into a backdoor sequel to Step Brothers. Because if there were any characters in all the film that seemed like they would be the types to use all their pro karaoke money to invest in an island looking for buried treasure, I could see Brennan and Dale absolutely doing that. Hell, they dressed up as pirates and had a pirate ship in a tree at the end of Step Brothers. So it fits almost too perfectly. So I do have a couple little like nods to Step Brothers kind of written in just with the thought of this being kind of a backdoor sequel to Step Brothers. So they show up and they're kind of pricks. They're too big for their britches. They act like they're badasses and shit, and they really aren't. They're two dudes from Michigan that uh, think they're cool treasure hunters like Indiana Jones references all the time, you know, and that's clearly not the case. And they shoo them off the island. Of course, there's a big back talk and there's just tons of riff time for Brock and Eli and Marty and Rick. And you can even have like a little bit of Rick Laguna or John C. Riley or Dale Doback, however you want to call him as being both kind of like intimidated by, but also kind of like impressed with Channing Tatum or Eli Salamander, where he's like impressed with his, with his uh, athleticism and how handsome he is. And he's like kind of hypnotized by him, but also kind of intimidated as well, but trying to be like a badass and just having this weird dynamic between the two of them. So they get shoot off the Island. Um, but as they're being shoot away, they mention the scroll with the symbols that they have. Um, that matches uh, some of the stuff on the stone that was found there years before. So this, of course, gets the Laguna brothers or Brennan and Dale in a huff because they don't want anybody else finding the treasure before they do. You know, they've got a reality show based around this. How bad is it going to look that they, for years, for seasons, have looked for this? And then these two schmoes from New England come in and in an afternoon finds the treasure. That's going to look really bad for them, and they're going to be jokes. So they don't want that to happen. So they devise a plan to uh, sneak onto their fishing trawler in the middle of the night and try to steal the scroll with the symbols so that they can figure it out for themselves. So late at night, they're on a boat and they're coming up, but they're bickering the entire time. So the uh, Salamander brothers, they wake up and see this boat, uh, this little canoe approaching them, uh, in which case they put pillows in their bed, like I got an idea, and they hide in the closets in the uh, sleep cabin of the fishing trawler. At which point... The Will Ferrell and John C. Riley characters come in and start like you know hitting the uh, the the pillows in the bed, and then then the uh, Salamander brothers jump out, and there's this big fist fight on the on the uh, fishing trawler. And at this point, the first nod to Step Brothers, where there is a mooring hook, which is just a pole with a hook on the end of it, um, and then one of the other brothers, like our John C. Riley or uh, Will Ferrell, grabs a uh, gardening hoe that just happens to be on the ship and they do a battle like star trek with uh spock and kirk but the joke being that it's a gardening hoe on a boat so boats and hoes blah ha 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 so the gunas are thrown off the boat they're thrown off they get in their canoe and they uh and they paddle away so the next day the uh the salamanders sneak back onto the island they figure out some signal symbols that are relating to 
this is actually on the island, this uh, kind of triangle that looks sort of like a, an old school uh, compass that is made out of rocks, a rock pattern on the island. And they use that to kind of figure out some of the symbols. And then using uh, the symbols and letters that were decoded originally, they're able to figure out some stuff. Um, and that's where Brock figures that the treasure is actually not buried on the island, but underwater just off the coast of the island. And the 40 feet deep isn't 40 feet deep in the earth, but actually 40 feet below the water level of the, uh, of the ocean. So he, Brock thinks it's buried underwater. Eli thinks he's become obsessed like the Lagunas and needs to give up. He doesn't like how obsessive his brother is being. He's like, you're just kind of, you're acting out because dad just died and you feel like you haven't done anything with your life and you're a disappointment to him and you want to kind of make him proud or be something that you're actually not. And you just need to give this up and you don't have that bad a life, man. Like it's, it's actually a pretty good life. It's just not what you thought it was going to be kind of conversation. Like wake up. You, this isn't actually happening. And, uh, they end up going to bed and mad at each other. You know, their, their brotherly relationship hasn't improved much at all. So in the middle of the night, Brock decides that he's going to get in scuba gear and search the ocean floor. Fuck his brother. There's something there and he knows it and he's going to check it out. And he does. He finds this like really heavy rope uh, that's attached to something under the ocean floor sand. Like he can't see what it's attached to, but it's like roped out and it's right around where he thought that there would be something relating to the buried treasure. So he goes over to where their anchor is, drags the anchor over and hooks it underneath the rope. Then he goes back up to the surface and he starts like pulling the anchor up, which then opens up a trap door in the ocean floor. All this commotion and the ship kind of turning slightly sideways as it's getting like tension from the rope door not wanting to be opened, uh, wakes up Eli and he gets up to say, you know, hey, what are you doing? And he says that he found something under the ocean floor and he's going to check it out and he doesn't have to believe him. He just needs to like let him do his thing. He, he doesn't want his help anyway. This is up to him. And then uh, Brock dives back underwater to go investigate what got pulled up from the ocean floor. Eli's pissed and by himself on this boat and decides, fuck it, he's going to go, you know, follow his brother. So he goes down there and, uh, and his brother has entered into the passageway on, at the ocean floor. And Eli follows along and he can see that there's light down at the end of the tunnel somewhere uh, and he can't quite tell what it is. And he, when he gets there, he finds his brother who has gotten caught um, just under what looks like an open area with, uh, with oxygen. There's actually like a an area underneath that does have oxygen. And, but his brother has caught his tank on something, on like a piece of debris that's sticking out of the walls or something that has cut his uh, oxygen to his tank and the oxygen spraying everywhere. And he's like running out of oxygen and stuck underwater. And if Eli hadn't left when he did to catch him, uh, his brother may have died just a few feet on, um, below where there was air for him to breathe. So Eli saves his brother's life. He gets him up and now his brother doesn't have an oxygen tank to get back up to the surface, but there's a series of tunnels kind of leading away from this uh, underground area under the ocean. What Salamander Brothers don't realize is when Eli dove underneath, the uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley characters had returned to the boat to try to finish what they started the night before, but this time in scuba gear because they figured it was the boat itself that had given them away the first time. So they, like Navy SEAL style, come up to the side of the boat 
and d- jump in and go, aha, and uh, nothing. They don't see anything. Um, they, they are digging around for the note. They don't find anything. But they did see that the brothers went diving under underground. Um, and then while they were having an argument, while the Salamander brothers were having an argument earlier, Brock did some quick drawings of like the rope that was coming out of the ground and what he thinks it is. They find that and decide to go investigate underwater. They're already in their scuba gear. So they dive down and they see a tunnel and they see light that's like dimly coming out of this underground tunnel and they go underneath and they get through. And so they're slightly behind uh, the Salamander brothers in this series of tunnels. So this is very kind of goonies at this point. Well, there's a point that the Salamander brothers end up getting in a position where they might die. And the Will Ferrell, John C. Riley characters actually save their lives because they spent the majority of their lives researching the Oak Island myths. So all these legends and tips that they had learned over the years start to make sense as they're making their way through this um, underground tunnel system. And through a series of hijinks and booby traps uh, as they're going through, they start to realize that they have a decent amount in common and they start working together to try to get through this treasure. Every single one of them having their own set of skills that comes into play um, that actually ends up making it so they all get through together where they probably wouldn't have been able to on their own, even as the, just the, the sets of brothers. So ultimately they end up in this massive chamber with this big stone door, like a circular door that is blocking an entryway. And of course, Brock is the one that has been doing, uh, you know, the joke is that he does a lot of Sudoku. So he's able to figure out the symbology relatively well. And he ends up putting in the right pattern that opens up the stone door. And behind that is all of this pre-Freemason Templar treasure. Uh, one of the theories with the Freemasons is that they had a lot of uh, the, uh, connections to the Illuminati and the Templars. And uh, what it comes to find out is that Captain Kidd, the pirate, attacked a ship that had a lot of Templar treasure. He captured it. He buried it on Oak Island because there was a lot of stuff with the Spanish Inquisition at that time. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of chance that he was going to be killed for this stuff. Years later, when Freemasons actually started, uh, which was probably 20, 25 years later, is when the early Freemasons heard legend of this buried treasure from uh, of Templar treasure that went, that Captain Kidd buried, and they go looking for it. At that point, instead of actually moving it, they had the same issue where they had to keep it safe. So they built a system of tunnels using... Um, what started as just the hull of one of their sunken ships um, that sunk just off the coast of Oak Island and using that as a way to create like a hatch and a system of tunnels underneath the ocean um, to where they buried the treasure. And the pit, it was actually used as a way of water being funneled out of the the tunnel system into the pit area that was mostly sand uh, so that and bamboo and, and wood planks so that there was actual little bubbles of air that would form underneath the surface. So uh, so the Templars, if they needed to, could get access. So the mystery of Oak Island has been solved. The Salamander brothers and the Lagunas, or Brennan and Dale, if you want to go with the stepbrother move, have found this vast amounts of wealth. And it's not two million pounds as in currency pounds. It's two million pounds of all sorts of different types of treasure. So the it, it goes from like portraits to like ancient scrolls to gold to all sorts of stuff. So it's the amount that it's worth is well more than 2 million pounds per se. It's 
tens of millions of dollars that uh that this treasure is worth that they found and that's not even considering just the the artifacts that are involved in this uh this find as well so they get on the news and they you know talk about having worked together to get their way and uh it's this big like hoorah uh, celebration at the end. Uh, and then of course you have the moment between the Salamander brothers, Brock and Eli, where Eli says, you know, that he's really proud of his older brother. And, uh, and Brock says that he, you know, he's really proud of Eli and that, you know, he's sorry that he was jealous after all these years, just to be showed up by your little brother. Eli responds with, you know, well, how am I supposed to be, you know, my brother who found Templar treasure, that's a hard thing to beat. And there's this back and forth and they hug and everybody's good to go. And then at the end, there's a music video, much like the Boats and Hose video for Step Brothers, of the four of them um, with, I don't know, Danny McBride shredding a guitar, uh, doing a song about uh, the buried treasure. And then you call it a day. Then you have the Step Brothers sequel slash original comedy uh, about Oak Island and the buried treasure. And of course, if you're doing these comedic actors, you've got to get Adam McKay to be the director. There's no other director that's really going to do it right, especially with these actors. So uh, I want just a fun, slapsticky, riff-heavy, improv comedy about Oak Island because it's such a weird and fun story with plenty of intrigue and mystery surrounding it that there's so much room to play in that sandbox. And I think Danny McBride, Channing Tatum, Will Ferrell, and John C. Riley would do an absolutely fantastic job. So... That is my story, the whole truth. And uh, again, Hollywood, Adam McKay, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. Go ahead and give me a ring. Hit us up on the Geeks Under the Influence hotline. Uh, that's the GY Network hotline at 804-505-4484. That's 804-505-4GUI. Or hit us up on our social media. Let me know what you would like to see in this story if you would recast. Oh, also, one thing that I forgot to mention is that for cannon fodder, you got to have people dying in these booby, booby traps. The documentary crew is following uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley throughout all of this. They follow them down underwater when they go to follow the, uh, the Salamander brothers they're following. So you get little like backs and forths. And then the camera crew is entirely Canadian based. They're a Canadian documentary team. So you do all the Canadian jokes. You've got to have Canadian uh, comedic actors in that crew. So you've got the cameraman played by Seth Rogen, who played a cameraman briefly in Anchorman and uh, which was directed by Adam McKay. And you can even have a joke in there of the director or sound guy being like, you know, in the tunnel being like, this is the worst. Like, and Seth Rogen going, I used to be a cameraman for cat fashion shows. So th this is way better than that as a callback to Anchorman. Then as the director, you got Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. He's just absolutely brilliant. I would love to see him as the like creative type director with a vision for just a shitty reality TV series and taking it way too fucking seriously for what it is. And then as a sound guy with the boom mics and all the technical stuff, uh, Jay Baruchel, he's got, you know, put some glasses on him. He's got that geeky vibe to him. Let him be the overly technical dude that is telling people to like redo it because the sound wasn't good or the rushing water sound in the background was like ruining shots. And they just one by one get picked off by booby traps as they go through the underground tunnels. And uh, that's the cast. That's uh, everything to do with the whole truth. So we'll find you next time for a full-length episode of Smack My Pitch Up, discussing an idea for a reboot or a remake. I believe we're doing Weird Science, uh, either this next one or the one after that. Remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts for Smack My Pitch Up. And check out the other shows on the Geeks Under the Influence Network. 
GUIPodcast.com for links to all the other shows. Find you next time for another episode. I'm Mike the Hobbit, and you just got pitch smacked. GUIPodcast.com My name is Amy Bogard. And I'm Mike the Hobbit. And we are the hosts of Deeply Upsetting, where we use our expertise to answer your most upsetting hypothetical quandaries, such as what non-wigged animal deserves wings? And what body part deserves a secret mouth? Which cryptid is the worst roommate? These questions and more that plague you will be answered on Deeply Upsetting, available anywhere you get your podcasts and at GUIPodcast.com. Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. 